Welcome to the Sister C Podcast, your monthly dose of sisterhood and mental health advice coming to you on the 15th of every month. My name is Joelle, and I'm a licensed therapist who is committed to fighting the stigma of mental illness. Each month, I will talk to one of my favorite sisters who has lived experience or expert insight about today's most important mental health issues. We are about to break down today's topic and provide you with some candid and practical mental health advice. Welcome back to the Sister C Podcast. In this episode, we are going to continue our discussion about Brittany's story of surviving narcissistic abuse. In the last episode, we talked about how her story exemplifies the classic signs of narcissistic abuse. And in this episode, we're going to basically debrief about that conversation and then move on to discussing coping strategies for dealing with narcissistic abuse. Brittany's story actually does a good job of exemplifying a lot of coping strategies. Obviously, she is now free of this conservatorship that she has been under for the last 13 years, but we're also going to talk a little bit more generally about how to cope with this type of situation. So without further ado, please welcome back my guest and friend, Lucas Ortiz. How do you feel at the end of all of that? How do you feel about just examining these specific ways that Brittany has endured abuse? Um, it's slightly triggering. <laughs> it just really highlights why tomorrow is so important. Mm-hmm. And it really highlights the state of the way women are treated, especially women like Brittany, who, oh, you know, again, own, who portray owning their body and having power. People are always trying to tear down powerful women. Brittany is no exception. It didn't matter how sweet and real and respectful she was. And people just wanted to, people just wanted a piece of her. And again, like, we don't even know, like, we don't even know the full extent. It's like, there's so much is out now. But now that we've talked it all out, Brittany has literally been abused every single day for 13 years. Exactly. And the fact that she's still strong, kicking and screaming, wanting to get out of this and standing up for herself. And even in that day of the testimony, literally surrounded by her abusers, the court, the lawyers, her family, um, for her to be able to say all of this after 13 years, just really shows how powerful and strong she really is. Mm-hmm. It was such a sobering moment to just hear her finally speak out about what's been going on and that she wants her life back and that, you know, she is traumatized, she said, by what's happened to her. Not that she had anything wrong with her in the first place, but that she's traumatized from all the abuse that she's endured. And she herself labeled it as conservatorship abuse. She She herself said, I'm being abused. I'm getting emotional right now thinking about it. Honestly, it gives me... No, tomorrow is literally three, four, five hours away. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to be glued to updates on Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) If I could fly to Los Angeles tomorrow, I would. I know. Oh, my God. I know. We have been questioning this thing, you know, since its inception. I remember two years into the conservatorship where 
we were talking about like, is this thing ever going to end? Do you realistically think this thing will end? And I remember you saying something like, I don't know if it will. And even us to just a couple of years ago, I think like in 2018, I remember us being saying things like maybe she wants to be in a conservatorship. Like we, mm-hmm. there was so much control that not, nobody knew. So at this point, it's like, okay, well, it's been, I mean, in 2018, it was 10 years. So mm-hmm. like, you know, does she want to be in this? Like, is this okay? Like, is she fine with this? And I remember hearing, um, you know, media outlets or, you know, sources saying, oh, well, this is voluntary. Brittany wants to be in the conservatorship. Like, mm. that's literally her testimony just destroyed everything. Everything. You're going to hear it from me directly. You heard it from her directly. The other kind of feeling that I'm having at the end of this is I have always been so put off when people would criticize Britney and make comments about the way that she talks or make comments about the way that she looks or the way that she acts. Basically, because we have been so attuned to what's happening and we've basically known this is happening the whole time. That like I'm, I was aware that the reason that she might seem a little bit socially awkward, or the reason that she might, you know, make herself small sometimes and not use her voice, is because of you know, it's really a result of all of the abuse that she has endured. And so I've always been so rubbed the wrong way when when people couldn't see that and were like criticizing her somehow, like looking at these kind of ways that she's Im- been impacted, but almost attributing it to just her as if there's something wrong with her. And I've always just been so put off by that. Like I will almost get like offended <laughs> when people like come for Brittany. Um, but yeah. I've always recognized that, yeah, the reason that she like is acting the way that she's acting is because of what she's been experiencing. And we never had confirmation. We didn't have full confirmation of what was happening just until this year. I'm just so glad that she has had the strength to be able to stand up for herself and that she's been able to get to this point where tomorrow it seems that she will literally be free from this conservatorship. One more day. So like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. on this podcast, we like to also give practical advice. This has been a heavy topic. It's, you know, something that we are both very, very passionate about and something that we've both been very moved by. But, um, you know, we want to give a little bit of practical advice about how to cope with narcissistic abuse as well. And of course, we will talk about some things that Brittany has done, um, but we might talk a little bit more generally about just how to cope with any narcissistic relationships. Okay. Yeah. And so firstly, what do you think that Brittany has done right? And how do you think that she has helped herself to get out of this situation? Um, Well, to be frank, she, at some point, I guess she had to accept what was going on. I think that, I mean, acceptance is hard in a situation like that. But after obviously being hounded, stalked by media paparazzi and her own family and monitored, we know that in 2014, she tried to get out of this again and that her court-appointed lawyer just didn't happened to tell her that she could petition to end the conservatorship. At some point, she kind of just came to accept and to try to cope with what was going on around mm. her. So I think there needs to be a level of acceptance. If, if you're not able to, you know, in Brittany's case, 
and I don't know, this maybe this is controversial, but um, in Brittany's case, like at what point, like at what point do you accept what's happening to you? Yeah, exactly. And I remember seeing back in this first documentary in um, Brittany for the record that she said like, oh, she was crying and saying that she's sad and she thinks this, she's going to be in this situation for a long time. She just knew, she kind of knew what was going on and knew that she couldn't necessarily do a lot to change the situation. But obviously she has realized that she's Britney fucking Spears and she stepped into her power. Um, but, you know, whether or not you can change something or you have the power to change something, it's always a good first step to accept what is going on and to acknowledge the problem for what it is. After all, the first step for solving any problem is to define the problem, to know what the problem is. In Brittany's case, if she was to believe everything that's been fed to her, she would believe that she's the problem, that she's unstable, that she needs this, that she's crazy, that all these terrible things that um, have been perpetuated about her. She was able to accept, no, I am in an abusive situation. These people are narcissistic. My father does not have my best interests at I mean, I don't know if she used the word narcissist, but she had to accept that her father is not working in her best interest. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly it. As you said, you have to kind of accept the situation you're in before you can work through what's going on. And mm. obviously, we're not stuck in a conservatorship. If you can't accept it, then fight like hell to make mm. a change. Um, but obviously, Brittany realized she was up against the entire judicial system mm. um, and it wasn't going to be an easy thing. Exactly. Anybody listening to this has probably encountered highly narcissistic individuals, the likes of yeah, at least people who have some, some kind of commonalities with Jamie Spears. Of course, um, maybe not to this extreme, but we've, we've all kind of encountered our own narcissists. There are certain people who are almost like an easier target for predatory people or for narcissistic people. A part of being an easy target for people like this would be being like a people pleaser or being um, somebody who has a bit of a lower self-esteem and you know somebody who would basically try to please people above all else and care above all else about how people are perceiving you and how people feel about you. And so I think one way to kind of cope with this and almost even prevent this from happening is to focus on your self-esteem and to know your self-worth and to, I guess, not put the opinions of others above your opinion of yourself. And Brittany has always done a really good job. At, I think Brittany has always known who she is. Mm -hmm. um, and the conservatorship definitely was you know, beating her down over the years. But to what you said earlier, she definitely stepped into her power and realized, oh yeah, I am Britney Buckley Spears. And mm. I'm not just good, I'm great. I can do this. Exactly. We can't have a conversation about toxic relationships or narcissistic relationships without talking about boundaries. If you're finding yourself in a narcissistic relationship, it is of the utmost importance to identify and enforce your boundaries. And of course, that can just be a boundary of literally never talking to that person ever again. <laughs> but not all of us have that luxury of cutting people out of our lives like that. Um, sometimes people are, you know, the, the people we're dealing with are 
family members or sometimes they are coworkers and we have to get along with them. And so um, sometimes we do have to actually have boundaries uh, within a relationship with people like this. In the case of Brittany, obviously, she really didn't have a lot of um, rights, a lot of human rights in this particular situation, but she did identify um, some boundaries that she had. Um, She did identify that I'm not going to perform so long as my father's in charge of my career. She specifically wrote that on Instagram. She realized at some point that I'm not going to perform. And to me, that's a, that's a boundary. It's like, I'm the, the one, you know, physically doing this and I refuse to do this. Mm-hmm. If this person continues to be in charge of my career. That's exactly it. She understood that money talks and that everyone around her just wanted money. So mm. she's thinking, oh, well, I'm just not going to perform anymore. And that really like that was it like that was the thing mm-hmm. you know in britney's case it would be like that's literally like the boundary um but in any like for everything else she has no boundaries like she's not allowed to set boundaries even no. she's being monitored and stalked by her own family and recorded like she literally has no privacy mm-hmm. um so it's absolutely amazing that she was able to to say that I don't want to continue my career if my father is at the helm. And even in this situation where, yeah, she was quite literally stripped of her ability to have boundaries, but she also had this essence of just knowing that was wrong and knowing that actually, metaphysically, she, she can have boundaries. And in the court hearing, you know, in the footage that we all heard that's still on the internet, basically you hear her say, I'm allowed to say no. I'm allowed to say no to a dance move. Like, I know, like, legally I'm not allowed to do it. Like, legally I have no rights, but I'm fucking allowed to say no, you know? Mm-hmm. So she exemplified this, this particular piece of advice. The way I think that boundaries would look maybe in a less extreme situation, maybe with um, the everyday kind of uh, narcissist. For instance, you know, if someone is being emotionally reactive, if someone is yelling, if someone is calling us names, if someone is mistreating us in some way, we can assert our boundaries by telling them, if you continue to yell at me, if you continue to call me names, if you continue to disrespect me, if you continue to do whatever it is that I don't like, I will not engage with you. I will leave. I won't have this conversation with you. That's how it might look for those of us who aren't in conservatorships. Right. And I think a final kind of uh, piece of practical advice revolves around anticipating angry reactions. Brittany has quietly for years, you know, been kind of planning how to get out of this conservatorship. And she has been very silent in her approach and very calculated in her approach and basically just kind of anticipating angry reactions that people will give you or you know that people aren't going to listen to you and you can kind of plan ahead. But in this case of Brittany, I think um, I just wanted to touch on the point that we know that highly narcissistic people who don't care about my humanity basically don't like it, don't like when you set boundaries. (laughs) And so so you can anticipate an angry reaction in that way. Yeah, she definitely thought ahead. Do you have anything to add to these pieces of advice? 
So just to recap, basically when dealing with narcissistic relationships, it's helpful to accept the narcissism, to know what it is, to know that it's not amenable to change. Of course, anybody can change if they want to, but just the very nature of narcissism kind of means that these people kind of think they're better and they're above, they're above you and they kind of look at you as a means to an end. And th th there's no real motivation for these people to change. And personality patterns in general are very hard to change. And so um, accepting that is very important. And acceptance can kind of take the form of knowing that a person is who they are and cutting them out of your life or knowing that's who they are and just giving very little attention and time to them, knowing who they are and planning how to escape your conservatorship. <laughs> um, of course, owning your truth. You know, like you said, Brittany has always owned her truth from day one. For anybody in this situation, we need to own our truth and realize that our feelings and our opinions are valid. And of course, that also kind of goes into the self-esteem aspect. We need to basically work on our self-esteem and um, be able to self-validate and essentially to make ourselves less vulnerable to falling into these relationships. It's good to work on our self-esteem. And then, like I said, boundaries, 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 and anticipate angry reactions. Do you have anything to add to that list or any comment? So from personal experience, um, something that definitely, you know, as a young person and in the age of media, we definitely have the ability to do research and to, you know, find resources. Um, so that's definitely something that helped me was to reach out to somebody that I trusted. And, you know, that was you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I'm really lucky and grateful that I was able to reach out to someone in those moments when I felt trapped in my own family mm -hmm. and trapped and surrounded by people that I felt like, again, an object. Mm -hmm. And that I felt like no one was ever, just so much like Brittany, you know, I just felt like no one was ever listening to me. Mm -hmm. That my opinion never mattered. And that I'm just, you know, a tool for my family to make money for them. I was always told as a child, you need to be a doctor, you need to make money. Um, mm. So having that one person, and if you don't have that one person that you can trust and tell these things to, then go out to social media, make a statement. I think some people are, as we're getting older, um, are coming from an older generation, I guess, because we're getting older. Mm. Um, you know, back in the 90s and early 2000s, it was standard that you don't talk about your problems. You don't talk, you don't tell people what's going on. That's wrong. We need to be able to tell people what's going on. If you're being abused, you need to be able to tell someone that you're being abused. You need mm -hmm. to be able to find the strength. So, so I guess just to kind of add, um, if you don't have that one person, then maybe you've made an online friend that lives in Australia and you really trust them, tell them maybe they can help you. Maybe they're able to find, uh, reach out to someone somewhere, mm -hmm. you know. And something else that I know was really helpful is, and it kind of, again, goes with self-esteem, but and this word is, charged um but to have faith and you don't necessarily have to have faith in some god or faith in anything but your own ability to keep going mm -hmm. just knowing that you can just keep going and again kind of trying to figure out what your next move is 
what decisions can I make with the resources that I have to move me closer to where I know I need to get out and to get freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess at the end of the day, if you don't have one person that you can talk to, if you don't have the ability to reach out to somebody, if you don't, if you're not on social media, then just believe that one day you're going to get out of it. Yes. Such, Such a good piece of advice. To be honest, yeah, there are a lot of narcissistic people in the world. And just like we were mentioning, there's kind of obvious reasons for that. But there are also a lot of people in the world who are capable of love and empathy and people who will help you. There are people out there who will help. There are, there are people out there who won't hurt you. It's a necessary mind frame to have in navigating these challenging relationships. Good people do exist and people aren't inherently bad, but we're all some kind of fucked up. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. People aren't inherently bad. And you and I are certainly not saying like, again, this is a trait that a lot of us have. And it's just really the very extreme end of the spectrum that we're really talking about here. Um, And when people are considered to be a clinical narcissist, you know, somebody who really isn't going to acknowledge your humanity, and um, obviously, the case of Brittany is a very extreme example, but it's, um, it does a good job of putting each of these signs of narcissistic abuse into perspective, but also does a good job, like Brittany's story does a good job of putting how to effectively cope with the situation. It is a success story in the end. Like, you know, it's a story of perseverance and a story of how like true love and light can prevail. I agree. So did we just finish our podcast episode together? Our first ever podcast episode together? (laughs) Oh my God. Did I just blink and this is almost over? Oh my God. Uh, Oh my goodness. I'm so nerve wracking. My first (laughs) podcast ever. I hope people can hear the differences in the tones of our voice. (laughs) I hope (laughs) people understand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) people seem to think that we sound the same and so hopefully people will be able to tell who is who (laughs) you're just talking to yourself this (laughs) This is my imaginary friend (laughs) jose lupin knows this is my imaginary friend lucas ortiz (laughs) I go by many names. Yes, by many names. <laughs> <laughs> Who's who? Who's who? Who's who? Who's who? Who's who? <laughs> oh my god, we're ridiculous. We are ridiculous. Uh, can I ask you something? Of course. Um, what does the C stand for? Well, obviously, it stands for sister. Cut the fucking conservatorship out. Cut this nonsense Cut out. It. Cut it out. <laughs> Cut it out. Cut the conservatorship. This Cut conservatorship it. crap. Oh man, I'm so nervous for tomorrow, but so excited. Uh, I'm so excited as well. And we are sending you, if you're ever listening to this, Brittany, or even if you're not, we are sending you love and light. And the future is yours. You mm. like Brittany, if you just as you said, Brittany, if you're hearing this, like the future is yours, it is mm. your life. You're about to 
embark on a new journey if you never perform again i don't care like i just want to know exactly. that you're okay exactly we care about you we see you Brittany, the person there are good people in the world and i'm so sorry that you've had to be subjected to so much toxic behavior and so much mistreatment so much and you know there's definitely some justice that will never be reclaimed but there is justice that is coming mm -hmm. justice will be served in the end justice. i don't feel like it doesn't feel like maybe there could be enough justice for what's happened nothing's going to give back this time your story will go on to inspire so many people and change things for kind of change things on a systemic level like you're going to be an advocate an inspiration uh, like a spearheader <laughs> yes a spearhead <laughs> You're going to spearhead some serious change in this world, girl. And we love Starting you. Starting with the state of California. I think that's a wrap. My goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yes. Um, it's been an honor. And I'm excited for us to collaborate again in the future and for me to get a bit more experience in the podcast world. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, it feels so natural to be doing this with you, even though, yes, it is your first time podcasting. And yes, you know, we've had our technical difficulties and things like that. But no, I honestly feel so good doing this with you. And it feels very right that we're talking about this at this time. And we've had the opportunity to do this. So thank you. Thank you. And love you. And love you. Thank you. And love you. And like, talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> talk to you tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to the Sister C podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you found some of our ideas to be helpful. If you would like to chat with me or learn more about my counseling and coaching services, you can visit my website at spectrapsychology.com. Remember, no matter where you fall in the spectrum, the Sister C podcast has your back. See you in the next one.